Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. Adam, do you think our listeners love our podcast? Um, that's a good question, Jeannie. I think that they love you. What? Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> See, that's what I'm here for, Jeannie, just to make you feel better. <laughs> I don't know if they love our podcast. I don't know if they love me, but I know they love you, Jeannie. Oh, that's very nice. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. But really, we often don't talk about love in context of business. And yet today, all we talk about with our guest is love. I was feeling the love during the whole conversation, feeling the love, Jeannie. I agree. Um, I thought that, you know, Steve Farber, our guest, he's a best-selling author, um, a top consultant on this. And he's got so many great ways of explaining why it's so important to tap into this, to really talk about it. Because one of the things that we talk about that I I totally agree with is that most of us have this instinct, but we think in business, we have to turn it off and we have to become like, you know, data-driven, objective robots. Right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) and And he makes a great case here. It's a, it's a business school legacy. It's just sort of a tradition of business, right? That is all about numbers. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we live in an age now where we talk about quote unquote softer topics. And even though as, and I, I will not uh, spoil the surprise here, as Steve explains, you know, they're not really soft topics. You have to operationalize them, right. uh, but things like engagement, right? Relationships, yeah. even that, I mean, I'll, yeah. Okay. How, how does that uh, affect EBITDA? Well, right, right, <laughs> right, uh, and that's always a challenge in our profession is drawing the line between you know experience to these types of you know harder results. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least we do live in an age where people are more open to it now. Business culture is more open to things like culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's a good time for this message to be out there. I agree, and he does such a great job explaining it, and it's just fun to listen to him. So. I think we should just get to it. What do you think? Let's do it. Well, let me tell you about Steve Farber. He is the former vice president of the legendary management guru, Tom Peters Company, and is the founder and CEO of the Extreme Leadership Institute, an organization devoted to helping its clients develop award-winning cultures and achieve radical results. The Institute's team has helped over 20 companies rank on best place to work lists. Listed on Inc.'s listing of the top 50 leadership and management experts in the world and number one on Huffington Post's 12 business speakers to see, Farber is a best-selling author, popular keynote speaker, and a seasoned leadership coach and consultant who has worked with a vast array of public and private organizations in virtually every arena. Farber's fourth book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, is available now where books are sold. Steve, we are so happy you're here with us today. It's just, you know, nice to hear your voice again. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. Well, hey, Steve, super excited to have you. And in the words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Got to do with what? What's love got to do with what? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. So what does love have to do with customer experience? Yeah. Well, in, in a word, everything. Right. I mean, here's here's what we should know by now. 
Uh, we should know, when I say we, I mean business people in general, uh, should know that customer satisfaction doesn't mean squat, really, mm-hmm. right? Um, that if a customer is satisfied, there's no greater likelihood they're going to continue to do business with us, et cetera. So we know this. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum is is also should be pretty obvious. When they love us, when they love what we do for them, when they love the product, the service, the experience, the way we respond to their needs, the way we take care of them when things go wrong, when they love that, that's where the payoff comes from for a business. That's where the money comes from. That's where the loyalty comes from. That's where the buzz comes from, word of mouth, et cetera, right? So it all starts, for me as a business guy, it all starts with that, but then we can't leave it there. So the next step in that is, well, how do we really create that experience for customers in a meaningful and sustainable way over time. And and that is a big part of, uh, as you guys like to call it, cracking the customer code. Uh, <laughs> because I, it's the way to do that is to create a culture or an environment in our teams, companies, et cetera, that people love working in. Mm-hmm. If I don't love working here, it's very difficult for me to, to give my best to the customer. And to back it up one more step, as a business person, as a leader, or a person who's either creating or contributing to the environment, so that includes all of us, I can't create or contribute to an environment that people love working in unless I love it myself first. And when I say it, I mean this business, the people that I work with, the customers that I serve, et cetera. So it all becomes very personal very quickly, but it starts with the customer experience from the business perspective. So that's what love Well, well, I'm going to give you a little curveball only because it's a uh, question that people have been trying to define for ages and haven't been able to, but we'll just keep it to this context. How do you define love? I mean, sort of how do you describe it? Yeah, so you're right. And it's a a huge question. And it's one of those things where, you know, on the one hand, we we know it when we experience it. On the other hand, um, we use the word to describe a lot of things, right? So, for example... I love pizza and I love my wife. I, I love them very differently. <laughs> one one I should love and one I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Uh, so so yeah, it's it's a it's it's a word with a lot of meanings and connotations. Uh, so and there are you know there are different categories of love. There's you know there's amorant love. There's there's romantic love and there's there's love that's you know kind of a deep passion for something. All I'm saying is that 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 emotional connection that comes along with it. We use the word when we're really you know switched on by something, when it when it's had a, a really big impact on us, when it makes us say wow, when it's when when we're um, you know, our, our expectations are completely blown out of the water. Uh, we know when we love going to work, we know when we hate it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty clear experience. So. What I'm suggesting in in the new book is let's let's set that as the standard and then challenge ourselves and each other to live up to that standard, however we define it in our business. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for example, if we if we gather, you know, a team together and say, ask this this classic question that, you know, companies have been asking forever or should have been asking forever, which would be something like, um, OK, team, let's brainstorm how can we improve our customer service? Right. Mm-hmm. That's a great, it's a great question. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll get, you'll get, you know, you'll get good answers to it. But if you ask the question like this, okay, team, let's brainstorm on how we can show our customers that we love them 
you're going to get a different quality of answer. Yeah. Because you've just raised the bar significantly. You've raised the standard. It's not an, we're, we're and and you you'll see people engage in a different way. So this isn't just about using the language. It's about it's about taking the challenge of creating an experience that people will love and turning that into action. It's operationalizing love. And the way we do that is by in some way or another asking the question then striving to answer it. What should this look like here? Mm-hmm. If we really loved our customers, what what would it look like? How would we do business differently? If we really loved our employees, what would we do differently? How would we structure the company differently? How would we hire people differently? How would we give performance appraisals differently? It So it affects every aspect of how we conduct our business. So this is not soft stuff. This is hard. <laughs> yeah. right. Really hard. There's nothing I, could be further from soft than <laughs> operationalizing love. We, uh, I think you'll get an amen from us on that one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Imagine uh, hearing hearing people describe these things as soft is one of my pet peeves. But the, yeah. you know, I think what's really interesting, and you've always taken this approach, um, is, you know, what what you're talking about in some ways is being vulnerable, right? Like yeah. is and one of the things that I, I, you know, I've read your your other book, Radical Leap, um, more than once. And one of the things that really comes across and that you speak about is this idea of, you know, kind of forget your title and your position and all of that and just look for ways to, um, to connect in meaningful ways. Yes. And so I'm wondering, like, how do you think right now? How are leaders failing at that? And what are some of the ways that, you know, businesses are failing at that, which then, to your point, it kind of snowballs, right? It goes from the leaders to the next group, to the next group, eventually to the customers who feel like, well, this is no fun. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, first, first, I'll say, it's a great question. First, I'll say that I, I am, I'm a perpetual optimist, mm-hmm. uh, and and I like to focus on the on the things that that are going well. And what I've seen, because I've been doing this work now for thirty years, mm. uh, so I've I've seen a couple of cycles, and I, and I've had exposure to every kind of industry and every kind of business. This isn't this isn't an ivory tower theory that I'm that I'm putting forth here. It's based on a lot of observation. And, and I've seen that we are, when I say we, I mean uh, the collective we, you know, the business community, we are getting better at this leadership thing in some ways. Uh, we are much more uh, open and receptive to the idea of nowadays of, of the need to produce an environment where people can derive meaning from their work. Mm-hmm. Right? This was a little more radical 20 years ago. Uh, so we're having those kind of conversations. You know, Brene Brown has done a wonderful job of yeah. uh, bringing vulnerability to the forefront of, of the conversation. Uh, so that's great. On the other hand, if we look at how much money we've spent over the last 10 years on leadership development, just overall, it's it's a trillion dollars, oh, a trillion goodness. dollars in leadership development. Now, what's happened with the, you know, the very famous employee engagement surveys that Gallup, et cetera, do every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the needle is hardly moved. Right. It's flat. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's, it's maybe it's up 3% after a trillion dollars. So there's, there is, <laughs> there's a dreadful gap. I mean, there, there's something really, really missing. And I think that element is, is love. 
we haven't brought that into our expectations of how of how we work. I can't prove that scientifically, but anecdotally, uh, mm-hmm. it sure seems to be the case. So, back to your original question, leadership is what it takes to create this kind of environment. And when I talk about leadership, and I'm not the only one who talks about it this way, certainly, it's got nothing to do with your position or title. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the higher up you go in an organization the greater the expectation from others is that you will lead, right? Let's let's acknowledge that. But it doesn't automatically come with the territory. Just because I have a title doesn't mean I'm a great leader. It just means I have a title. Right. That's, that's easy. On the other hand, if I don't have a title, it doesn't mean I'm not a great leader. And so I've met so many people over the years, as I'm sure you have, uh, that have no position or title, yet they have this amazing ability to influence their environment and 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 get people to change things and and take on initiatives, even though it's not part of their job description. They just do it because they love what they're doing and they're committed to the company and to their team. Mm-hmm. So that's real leadership. That's what I call extreme leadership. And it starts with it starts with love. If I love this place, this this business that I'm in, if I love the people that I'm in this business with, and I love the people that I'm doing this business for, otherwise known as our customers, it 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 gives me the impetus to engage in an entirely different way. That's real engagement. Uh, and it doesn't mean, you know, again, it's it's not easy. It's not cut and dried. It's not always, it, I'm not talking about, you know, hearts and flowers every day and people walk around <laughs> with stars in their eyes and, and nobody ever argues because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this is. Listen, if I, if I love this place, in, in a rather ironic way, uh, my tolerance mm-hmm. goes down. My tolerance for, for subpar performance, my tolerance for people slacking off, my tolerance for whining and complaining actually drops because my standards have gone up. If I love this place, I want to challenge myself and others to make it even better than we think it could possibly be. That's just what happens with this. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm so glad you said that about, you know, sometimes sometimes it's tough to love something that much, right? Like, and right. sometimes <laughs> you need to make some harder decisions. So well, that's yeah, a great so, answer. You know, work, work's work, right? And uh, you know, marriage is marriage and relationships are relationships. And you know, the, the love's always the same, but the like's not the same every day, right? I mean, we all have our good right. days. That's right. Days, and, and it, it, people have to understand that difference. But I'm sure. curious about something you were talking about, which is, you know, that this is hard stuff. This is, you know, a, a business practice. But how do you make that case when the word is love? You know, how do you make the business case to the CEO to sort of go further into this idea of love instead of using the business buzzwords like engagement and whatever else? Yeah. Um, you know, how, how do you how do you connect those two things? Well, so let me answer that question two different ways. The the first is is what I is what I said a couple of minutes ago. If 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 I've got a CEO that is skeptical, the question is, hey CEO, you want your customers to love you or not? <laughs> I mean, that's not <laughs> <right>. <laughs> the answer is no. I'm that's that's really not a priority for me. Then the conversation is over. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm listen. I'm not in the business of convincing anybody of anything. I'm not in the convincing business. I'm in the confirmation business. In my experience, what most people will say, and I think this is true. I think it's most people will say, yeah, I do want that. And I do understand this. I've just thought that I wasn't supposed to. 
There was something wrong with me. I didn't, uh, didn't use that word in my MBA. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me look this up. Hold on. No, no, not there. Not there. Not there. Uh, so, so there, the instinct and the impulse is there. I think for most people, it's funny. It's a funny dynamic. Most, I think, most people already are oriented this way, but most people think that most people are not oriented this way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it just stays kind of, you know, buried. So really what I'm doing is just turning the light on and saying, Hey, see that, that instinct, that impulse that you have act on that and see what happens. So, so that's one thing it starts with, you know, do your, do you want your customers to love you and then back it off from there in the way that we just laid out. And then the other side of it is um, there are going to be people that just flat out, there are three kinds of three categories of people as far as this love thing goes, from what I can tell. One category is, is the, you know, the people that say, this is ridiculous. This got, love has no place in, in business. Business is, you know, it's cold, hard, sterile, rational, brutal, <laughs> cutthroat. Ooh, sounds <laughs> uh, awesome. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And then there's another category of people that say, well, that's, that love thing is nice. It'd be nice to have, but it's not necessary for us to have, you know, a great business. And then there's a third category of which I subscribe, obviously. It says, no, love is not a nice to have. It's a must have. It's a must have. Because if I've got that, it shores up everything else, gives a foundation to everything else that I'm trying to do as a business person. Everything from, you know, increase my market share to grow my company, to increase our profitability, to reduce our employee turnover, to, you know, improve our, our um, you know, net promoter scores, whatever, whatever it is that's the tide that raises all the proverbial boats. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the proverbial tide that raises all the boats. I'm not, you know, <laughs> something's proverbial in that. <clears throat> but but my my point is that that I, I, I'm not going to convert people, so to speak, that just have no interest in this. Uh, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important too, because you know, I, I have a saying here at our business that we only work with enlightened leaders. Mm. Um, because if we have people who are just trying to check the box of, yes, we, uh, we had a meeting and so now we're customer centric. Yay us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then that really doesn't do anything for anybody. And it feels bad to all of us. Um, and so we really do focus on, are they, are they the right people for us? Um, yeah, which question. is important. But yeah. one of the things that I love that you say is do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. And this has stuck with me since I first met you um, about a decade ago now, believe it or not. And one of the things that I have seen my clients struggle with sometimes is when they they're doing something kind of necessary and profitable, but not very sexy or exciting or emotional, you know, they're building widgets. And so how can you help connect the dots for those leaders who want to love what they do, (laughs) but might be in a position where it's hard to really, it's hard to put love into something like building widgets. So, so how would you guide those leaders? Yeah. Yeah, terrific question. So, the the love, uh, the love of so, of something or someone, the meaning, the meaning associated with the work, with the widgets that we make, is not inherent in the widget. It's inherent in the perspective of the people 
making the widgets. Mm -hmm. So the question is, can you find something about the work that you do and the way that you do it, regardless of how boring or mundane it appears to be on the surface? Can you find something in that that you love, something that you're excited about, something that you're passionate about? So maybe it's maybe it's the impact that your widget has on on your customers. Maybe it's the environment that you create at work. Maybe it's it's internally focused, knowing that, you know, maybe it's a commodity business, but you know, the way that we deliver that to the marketplace is going to set us aside because we're going to get a reputation for being perhaps, you know, best place to work in our city, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. So find find something that 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 lights your fire and then Put more, put attention on that because the, the key here, and I want to be really clear about this. I'm not suggesting that you should love everything about your work, uh, every aspect of it, every minute of the day, every, you know, every task that you have to take care of <clears throat> because that's, I mean, I suppose it's possible, but <laughs> I don't, have, I don't have that experience. I love my work. There are things about my work that I don't love. I don't love airports. I don't love, mm -hmm. I don't love all the marketing mechanics and business development. I don't love that stuff, but there are things that I have to do that I don't love in order to do the work that I love. And there's, there's a technical term for that. It's called being an adult. <laughs> right? So, Hashtag adulting. Yes. Yeah, could right. you dig into this? I'm not sure I'm familiar with this concept. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm still working on it. I, it's a theory. It's a theory that I'm pursuing. <laughs> uh, but, um, but do what you love in the service of people who love what you do is, is the framework. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that that has stuck with you for so many years. Uh, and it is, you know, it's the subtitle of the new book. And, and, the, and the book is actually structured in sections around each of those elements. So do what you love is element number one. In the service of people is element number two. And who love what you do is number three. So, so the way that ties together is I need to, doing what I love, that's the foundation for this, but it's not the whole thing. Uh, it's not just about do what you love and money will fall on your head. It's <laughs> do what you love in the service of people. So yes, I'm doing what I love, but I'm using that to give service to you, to serve you, my customer, you, my employee, whatever the context is. And I'm not just serving you because I know I'm supposed to, mm -hmm. but because I want to do it in a meaningful way where the result is that you reciprocate. You love me in return, right? So do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. It becomes It becomes kind of a personal framework, but also, also a business model. To what degree if you think of it in a net promoter score style approach, right? To what degree on a scale of one to 10, am I doing what I love? To what degree on a scale of one to 10, am I serving people? And to what degree on a scale of one to 10, do those people that I'm serving love me in return? That's kind of the classic net promoter score. There, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so it serves as, as a framework for all of this and, and uh, just a, a place to start experimenting from. And that's what a lot of this takes. I can't, I can't give you a list of a dozen things to show, show your customers that you love them. I, mean, I can, but they'd be generic. Right. If you start with, how do we do this? How do we show our customers that we love them? You'll come up with ideas that are, that are specific to your customers and your context. Uh, can I give you an example of this? Please, please. Yes. Well, I'm speaking a little bit abstractly. So um, in, first of all, if this rings your bells, if you're listening to this conversation, you're going, yeah, like I said before, it's you know, confirmation, right? Then what you're going to find in the book is 
lots of examples from companies and individuals. So it's, it's, this is not an empty philosophical discussion. It's like, so for example, it looks like this and this and this and this and this. Now you figure out what to do in your place. So for example, company in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida called Trailer Bridge is a great example of a non-sexy business. They are, they're a shipping company, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they ship uh, containers of products from mainland U.S., primarily to Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. Uh, they, I, I won't tell you all the details, only enough background so you understand the context. They're 30 years old. They were a toxic company uh, that was losing money hand over fist. They went bankrupt. They burned through four CEOs in three years, Ooh. four heads of HR in three years. Uh, they, you know, they, they had to, they spent a ton of money on recruiters because it was hard to get people to work there and their customers couldn't stand them. Their, their customers <laughs> did business with them because they were cheap. That's right. it. Right. So Mitch Luciano was tapped by the board a number of years ago to turn the company around one more. Let's try another CEO, right? We've been through four. Let's do one more. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'll do it, but, um, I'm not going to take the title of CEO because I have to earn that. And he started asking the question, how do we, how do I show my employees that I really do love them? How do I show this company that I love our potential? How do I show our customers? How do we show our customers that we love them? So it was in answering that question that they did hundreds of things. I'll just tell you about one for right now. I'll make it a little bit of a teaser. They looked at their customer policy and traditionally they would not sail unless the container was 75% full or more. Because if it was less than 75% full, they would lose money on the shipment. So they wouldn't sail. Now, look at that from the customer perspective. You're shipping a car to Puerto Rico for your family. You're told it's going to be there on such and such a date. Then you find out it didn't ship because they couldn't sell enough right. space. Right, container. right. So they looked at that, and, and you know, which is why one of the one of the many reasons their customer service scores were so terrible. So they looked at that and they said, "Okay, what would we do if we loved our customers? Because that policy is about us. It's not about our customers. So what would we do if we loved if we really loved our customers? What would we do in that scenario? Mm -hmm. And the answer in that context is really obvious: we would sail because that's what we told them we would do. So that's what they started doing, and Combine that with, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of other things that they've done to answer that question. Mm -hmm. What does this look like? And now they've been voted number one and number two best place to work in the city of Jacksonville. Wow. They have the, the last two years of the company, the revenues of the last two years of the company have exceeded the previous 25 years of the company combined. Oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> uh, they, they're getting all these quality and service awards. I mean, hand over fist, they're expanding, they're growing like crazy. And it's because they have operationalized love as a business practice by answering the question, what should this look like in the way that we do business? It's a remarkable story. I, and and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled for them yeah. to see, see how well they're doing with this. It's such a powerful question. So thank you for sharing that. That's a really great example. Well, thank you, Steve. I mean, this has been, uh, you know, it's interesting to have these ideas and these concepts and to navigate like the different approaches to cracking the customer code, as you said at the beginning. And I, this, I love this concept of love. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> I, I caught myself and I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to dial all the way into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it, yeah, it's, su it's super powerful because it really, you know, 
we always talk about relationships and all the sort of more technical terms, but it, it's a it's a lovely way to approach the concept. And obviously, you've got hardcore, true business strategy and concept you know, behind the software, so to speak. So it's really cool. Um, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to hear more and read all about the other 99 things this company did. So uh, <laughs> tell us where they can find you, the book and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I live online uh, pretty much uh, everywhere. So it's stevefarber.com. If you can remember my name, you can find me in social media. So on LinkedIn, it's Steve Farber, Facebook, Steve Farber, Twitter, at Steve Farber, Instagram, at Steve Farber. So I don't forget my name. It's really <laughs> and, uh, and also, you know, the book's available on Amazon and anywhere fine books are sold. Um, if you, uh, uh, if you, if you want to order bulk orders of the book, I, I like, uh, I like porch light, um, formerly known as, uh, 800 CEO read. Um, so yeah, it's, it's available everywhere. And I'd, I'd love for, for people to pick up a copy and then let me know what they think. Well, I, uh, I'm always pleased with our conversations. This was no exception. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with our audience and for uh, joining us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my great pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Well, that was fun. It's fun to talk about that instead of zeroing in on NPS scores. <laughs> Actually, I loved the way he broke that down at the end with the really looking at, you know, what he says as that framework, um, which is, uh, you know, doing what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Um, what a great way to think about the work that we offer and how we connect with our employees and our customers and how that leads to kind of creating this bigger, better world, which is, which is really cool. It's all about love, actually. Oh, oh I boy. Did there? You like that? I do. Yeah, I do. That was, <laughs> you can't help yourself. <laughs> I, I, I really can't. <laughs> You've got to have a little bit of hashtag dad humor in every episode, Jeannie. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. We, we love your puns. There my it is. Puns. <laughs> oh my God. Pun, what, what is that? 1953 puns? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, but it was, it was a really great episode. And I think for all of you listening, I want you to know we opened this episode by asking if you loved us because that's just how Jeannie thinks. But I want you to know that we love you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we Absolutely. love you. We love our podcast uh, listeners, our community, and we appreciate you every day. And Jeannie usually says this, but I wanted to say it today because today I'm feeling the love. <laughs> well, it's a good point. We do love you being here with us. And uh, we love guests like Steve. We love all of the things that we're able to do and talk about because of the community here. So thank you for being here with us. And in general, Thank you for listening to Crack the Customer Code. Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, CX speaking, and training at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tepork. And if you want to learn about our keynote speaking, our customer service workshops and training, or our CX strategic advisory, feel free to reach out at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.